Hey there, everybody. It's Tina Conrad, aka DJ Breast Cancer, and I am here starting off season six with an amazing guest. Her name is Nicole Jason, and I'm so excited to have her. She is an amazing Christian. I've always been inspired by her posts. Um, she is a wife and a mother, and she is a metastatic breast cancer thriver. And so, welcome, Nicole. It's so good to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited. This is my very first podcast. So. Oh, yes. So cross that off the bucket list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you and to share your amazing story with, with uh, you know, the world. So welcome. Thank you. So I would love to know, you know, a little bit in your own words, like who is Nicole? Well, I am obviously a wife and a mom. That's probably my two biggest uh, identifiers, but I also um, am very adventurous. I love travel. I love animals. Um, I love nature, the mountains. Um, that's kind of where I, uh, that's like my sanctuary is the mountains where I meet, meet with God and and then my faith defines really who I am. Um, I'm a lover of Jesus and spirit-filled and, um, and just want so a girl who wants everyone to know how much Jesus loves them. And, and, uh, and that's part of, I feel like, my mission through what I've been going through is just to share the realness of it and to um, share the scary moments as well as the miracle moments and um and just to constantly be telling my story to bring hope to people i love that and i know that this episode is going to fill fill my cup as well and and we're recording obviously you know right after christmas which is you know such an amazing holiday and then right before the epiphany too so it's like really kind of this you know amazing time um in a, in a christian's life you know to to be recording and to share your message so thank you for taking time out of your holidays and to spend a few minutes with me yeah so i'd love to know um a little bit about your cancer diagnosis and you know your ongoing journey with cancer um i know it's obviously difficult with a metastatic. I don't you know, recall if you were diagnosed um, de novo or if like that happened with a recurrence, but would love to kind of know a little bit about your background with um, the whole cancer diagnosis. Yeah, so I was diagnosed um, on May 14th of 2012. Um, the original diagnosis was stage 3C, but after being confirmed metastatic and knowing what bone metastasis feels like, I personally feel like they missed um, bone metastasis in my spine because I was not given a PET scan um, for staging initially. And I, so I think that the bone scan missed something that was going on in my back just because I've had um, issues with my lumbar spine um, from being diagnosed uh, after that. So I was treated... Uh, with a pretty harsh round of chemo, um, I actually had surgery first, which is now not the norm. Um, had they done my surgery first, I think that they would have realized that taxane, breast, uh, taxane chemotherapies don't work for me. And I think that all that I ended up having TAC, which was um, tax, uh, taxateer, uh, adriamycin, cytoxin, and normally they're given like separate. Well, I had them all together, dose dense, like every two to three weeks. Um, they don't even do that anymore. I guess it's put too many people in the hospital and killed too many people. Um, so they don't even do that, that therapy anymore. But um, afterwards, I was given radiation, I was never given a, a, a follow-up scan. They just kind of told me, you're good, go live your life. 
you're cancer free, you're, you know, you're fine. Um, in my, uh, soul, I knew that wasn't true. Um, but I was scared to say anything because, you know, everybody wanted me to move on with my life. And, you know, um, I know that, that, that probably resonates with a lot of cancer patients. Um, but I, was, uh, I started having pain within like nine months of finishing treatment. Um, and it was in my sternum. Um, and I would, you know, it was any movement and it just hurt so bad. And my, uh, primary care physician, um, I just told her, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go get scanned. I'll I'll wait till the first of the year because I don't want to pay my deductible. And, and she said, Nicole, you need to go get scanned and I'm going to pay your deductible, which was like such a blessing at the time. I mean, she was amazing. She's the one who initially found my cancer. I was 28 when I was diagnosed. Um, so I was very young and she was the one who said, you know, it might be one in a million, but just in case you're that one in a million, I think that we should really, you know, pursue this where I've, I've heard a, a lot of women very young who get dismissed because of their age. And she was amazing. So I went and got scanned. That was in November of 2013. And that's when um, we actually found that um, I had 13 different uh, uh, lesions in my bones. So it was in my skull, my sternum, my hips, my spine, uh, my elbow, my shoulder. Um, And so that's kind of when my metastatic journey technically started. and so um been fighting ever since. My kids like to call it my on-again, off-again cancer because I will, you know, have a dramatic, like, you know, I went in with all those bone lesions. Within six months, I was back in remission. It was crazy, you know, when, and we call them miracles. And, and we see how God works through science and doctors and, and has healed, you know, healed me many times when we thought that, um, you know, we were headed towards the end. Um, so it, it, I went back into remission, it came back in my bones and then eventually went into my liver. Um, and then I had a rapid remission. It was crazy. Like five weeks, it went into complete remission. Um, the doctors, I I started on a PARP inhibitor, which when I first was diagnosed, those were just in trials, you know, Um, and so those came out and put me on that five weeks it took to clear every, I mean, anything that was showing up on scans, which it was in my hilar lymph node in my spine and in my liver. And it was like doubling in size every week. So it was like really scary. Mm -hmm. Um, and then this most recent, um, has been probably our scariest time, but I, uh, started having leg pain about a year ago, a little over a year ago. Um, and I figured out on my own that it was actually nerve pain. It was a nerve that was running from my lumbar spine all the way down my leg. Um, they couldn't find anything on imaging, so they weren't really sure what to do with it. Um, so they decided to radiate that area thinking maybe there was something that was pinching that nerve where they couldn't really see in imaging. Um, I believe now that it was actually what is called um, leptomeningeal carcinomatosis, um, which is what I've been diagnosed with now. And that's where breast cancer, uh, it actually happens to several different types of cancer, but breast cancer is probably the most prominent cancer it happens to with people who have longstanding uh, bone metastasis, especially in the spine. Um, cancer cells figure out how to spread into the cerebral spinal fluid. And, um, and somehow figure out how to live there. It's kind of a barren area that no cells can really stay alive, but somehow cancer cells have 
figured out how to live in that. And um, so I think that that started there. I think that the radiation slowed it down. Um, they, it was just kind of guessing at that point. So there's another kind of miracle. Um, and then all of a sudden I had um, tiny lung metastasis. So the, that radiation got rid of the pain for a while. Uh, over the summer, um, I had three or four little tiny lung nodules pop up. Um, and I just was with a doctor who wasn't very aggressive. He didn't really do anything. I begged him to put me back on um, some drugs that I was on. And he finally agreed. Um, by the time I got back on those drugs, it had, it, my, it had taken over my lungs. Like my right lung, the, my upper lung was uh, collapsing. I thought I had COVID because I was coughing like crazy. And so I kept going, get a COVID test. They're like, you do not have COVID. Um, and then we finally did a scan and yeah, my lungs were, I had fluid on my right lung um, and they were not good. I actually cracked a rib from coughing. It was pretty miserable. Um, and so we decided to go on a new chemotherapy that had just been um, released and my lungs were responding well to it. It ended up putting me in the hospital in October. It was my first treatment. And um, that's when we first heard the words leptomeningeal uh, carcinomatosis or leptomeningeal carcinoma depends on, there's a lot of different names for it. Um, my neuro-oncologist calls it LMD, which is leptomeningeal disease. Um, but my doctor didn't seem too concerned about it because I wasn't, a lot of people tend to decline really fast with it and I wasn't declining. I was actually seemed to be better. My lungs were getting better. Everything was going well. Um, and then right before it was actually the weekend after Thanksgiving, um, I was putting Christmas stuff up and I'd been moving around a lot. I'd been having headaches for months. Um, but you know, when you're on chemotherapy and you're on, you know, different things. There's always a reason for stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, it was dehydration or allergies or whatever. I mean, I just was realized I was taking Excedrin migraine, like probably five out of seven days a week. Um, and, and it got rid of it. So I just kind of was like, you know, I'm sure it's just related to chemo. Like I, I can tell I'm dehydrated. I need to drink more water, whatever. Well, this headache was a lot different. Um, it'd been bugging me all day. I'd taken the, mo the Excedrin migraine hadn't helped. And, um, then all of a sudden I started hearing like a uh, whooshing in my ear. Like I could, it was like, I could hear my pulse, but it was almost like I could hear blood going, like I could hear stuff liquid. And I looked down at my phone and I, I, it was playing a video, but I could only, it, it was like the sound was coming from like behind me. And I, I felt really disoriented. Like I couldn't tell where sound was coming from and I'd stop. And I'm like, is that coming from inside my body? Like what is happening? So my mom encouraged me to text my doctor um, because I, you know, just thought he's just going to dismiss me again. Um, and I, so I text him, he brought me in for a neurological exam. Something was off in my neurological exam and he had me do an MRI um, with actually the same radiologist who'd done the MRI when I was in the hospital in October. And his report came back and it said stable leptomeningeal disease. And, uh, and my doctor was out of town. It was his PA. And she said, yeah. So, I mean, she said this, this radiologist is rarely ever wrong. Like he doesn't over diagnose, he doesn't under diagnose, you know? So She's like, I really think that you need to take this seriously. So we went and saw, we got in with a neuro-oncologist and she looked at my scans and she said, yeah, that is, that's leptomeningeal carcinosis. And she goes, it's presenting, you know, textbook. It's so 
I guess actually it had been showing on the last scan they did in October in my cerebellum. I wasn't aware of that because um, I'm pretty on top of things and part of my process in dealing with cancer is knowing just as much, if not more, about my disease than my doctors do. Mm -hmm. um, it's always like a big compliment when the doctor says, I'm sorry, are you in medicine? And my husband will always roll his eyes, but I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just very well researched. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like, that's your ultimate compliment. And I'm like, well, I mean, I do a lot of research, so I do feel good when they say that. But, um, but yeah, so, um, so when she said that, I, I felt, we both felt pretty, uh, pretty like, you know, scared. It, it's a very, um, it does not have good prognosis because they don't catch it until it's usually pretty far advanced. Um, so, uh, but the thing that I loved about this neuro-oncologist is that her, um, out of all the research that I'd already done, um, her method of, or her attack plan was the same as the one that I had come up with going through all the abstracts and all the research and looking at everything that had been done. And so I actually had surgery on Monday. Um, we put in what's called an Omaya reservoir, which is actually really cool. It's actually a port that is inside your skull. Um, same as the port that we, we get, you know, um, mm -hmm. in our chest, but it actually delivers chemotherapy directly to your cerebral spinal fluid as well as your brain. So a lot of times the drugs have problems crossing the, the blood brain barrier. So this is something that they've come up with. And so I'll actually, because I'm HER2 positive, um, they'll give me Herceptin, um, through that area. And so we're going to see if I you know, respond to that. And thankfully there's a lot of new HER2 uh, drugs that are coming through that are crossing the blood brain barrier. So we'll be attacking it like on both ends. Um, and so it's just been a waiting game and we all know how hard the waiting game is. So that's kind of where we are right now, but yeah. Wow. Like what a, what a story and like all the advancements too, and everything that you've seen along this journey, like it's been yeah quite a journey. I can, it has. I tell my yeah. husband that all the time. I'm like, you know, my next miracle drug could be in trials right now. Like, I, I mean, that's what, that's what the goal I think of a metastatic, uh, breast cancer patient is it's stay alive, stay alive long enough for the next breakthrough. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, you know, it's been technically seven years since my metastatic, um, diagnosis, but, um, you know, almost nine or it's like eight and a half since my, uh, original diagnosis. And I remember, when everybody was so excited about PARP inhibitors, you know, and, and that drug has, um, the PARP inhibitor, um, has really, I mean, it's been a miracle drug for me. I mean, that kicked all the cancer out of my liver. It's helped keep, I'm BRCA2 positive. Um, and then I also have a P10 deletion and all, and then an NF1. So there's 10 major breast cancer, um, genes that they have identified now. And those are three out of the 10 that I, wow that I have. So we definitely know why I got cancer so young. Um, but just the strides that they're making in genetics and cancer, you know, unfortunately I got those genes, but also fortunately I got those genes because it's one of the things that they're able to study, um, and come up with new treatments for, because it's an, you know, genetics is something that is easy. So it's, it's harder for women that don't know why they have cancer or where it's coming from, you know, I feel blessed in that area, honestly, um, because it's been something that's been so well studied and, and looked at and new drugs have been formulated for it. So. Well, I love that. And I love your silver lining, like, you know, 
towards all of it too. So my next question, kind of, kind of a segue into that is, you know, you spoke a little bit about, you know, God and, and obviously like towards breakthroughs and, and the importance that it is. Um, how has faith played a role throughout this very difficult journey? So just kind of wondering what that has meant for you, uh, what it, what it looks like basically for your faith on this path that you're on. Well, it's funny because, um, when I was first diagnosed, um, I, I really like, you know, I've always just from the time I was a little girl have always had a heart for the Lord. Like it's just Mm -hmm. been something that's always like, I, I think because I'm such a naturist person, like I can't look at creation and not see a God in it. Like, I don't feel like there's a way for such beautiful things to just accidentally come together. So, so my faith was cemented, uh, like when I was pretty young, but I don't think I really fully understood who God was until after I was diagnosed with cancer. And, um, and that's been something that, you know, like I, you know, if I look back at it, no matter what happens with me, I wouldn't trade it for the world because it really, I started to learn and see like who God was and, and how much he loved me and how much he cared about me, you know, because at first, um, you know, when I was diagnosed, um, stage four, I, I really was confused. I was just like, I'm so young. I don't understand, you know, and, and we have a crazy testimony that that's for another podcast, but, um, you know, my husband was not around when I was first diagnosed. Um, he was already saved and everything, but, um, he, he had been, sentenced to five years in federal prison, uh, for something that he did way before he was saved. And that was like a long, long time ago, but they'd come after him like way after. Mm -hmm. So I had just finished my, my treatment when he was convicted to five years in federal prison. And so we sent him off as like a mission trip. We're like, okay, daddy's going on a mission trip. We had three kids, um, ages eight, six, and four. And, um, and here I am never, you know, I was young when I had my kids, I'd never been a single mom on my own before. And and I was about to have to take care of everybody. And it was crazy because the pain started almost immediately after he left. And so here I am a single mom about taking care of three kids. And I'm just like, God, like, why are you doing this to me? You know, like, why is this happening? Like, I can't, I don't understand why this is happening. And, you know, and I, I kind of started to get really angry. Um, sorry, that's my bird. Uh, <laughs> I started to get really angry at God. And, and um, a friend of mine gave me a message um, from this lady and I, I listened to it and she talked about like um, combating, um, you know, the lies of the enemy with the word of God. So I started to find verses in the Bible that like when I would start to get like, angry at God, or I'd start to question something, or I'd, I'd have a fear that like, you know, I'm going to die. My kids are going to be orphans. My husband's going to end up, you know, like he, he at that point had like five years sober. I was like, he's going to go back to drugs. It's going to be horrible. And so I started like picking up verses that would like combat that. And it started to like really build my faith. Um, and I started to really like jump into the Bible and I started to realize that God wasn't a God that does bad things to people, mm-hmm. that he's a father that like loves his children. And I look at, I would look at my kids and I'm like, I would never do this to my kids. Like, why would the father do this to me? And I'm like, you know, and, and I started to like, just really, I mean, I just was constantly 
listening to preaching, worshiping, you know, and, and just really like immersed myself in the word. And I started hearing God say things like, you know, if you didn't have such a big calling on your life, nobody, you know, the enemy wouldn't be fighting so hard to get rid of you. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize that it wasn't God that was doing this, that we live in this fallen world, um, that the enemy roams around and he seeks, you know, to steal, kill and destroy. And that's what he does. And so the father who loves his children is not going to you know, like give them cancer. It's not going to, you know, and I just realized that I can either let this disease change who I am in, in a good way, or I can let it make me angry in a bad way. And, and so my faith started to really like rise at that point, because I was, I started to stand against like lies that I was being told, you know, one of the verses I said on was Psalm, um, 117 18 and it says i will live and not die and i will declare what the lord has done and that was really like my main thing is it's on my phone it was on everything and um and so every time i would hear kiki sorry every time i would hear a lie um i would combat that with the word of god and i really started to grow a faith that started to become unshakable and and we went through some crazy times you know i was trying to take care of three kids by myself and also do cancer treatment full time. So I couldn't work a regular job. I accidentally fell into an MLM that just took off. And, um, my mom almost died during that time as well. So it was like a really, really hard time, but like the Lord like spoke audibly to me and he's like, you, you know me, like I have you, you know, and I'm just like, no, I don't, you know, I, I, I wouldn't trust him. I wouldn't have any faith. Right. Like, I'm just like, Cause I, I, the church I was in said, you have to have enough faith to be healed or you have to have enough faith to see breakthrough. You have enough to, and I'm just like, Lord, I have no faith. Like, I don't believe I'm just scared. I, I have no faith, you know? And, and he would show up for me every time. Like every time we needed money, every time, you know, like things got scary every time, you know, I mean, people, I mean, I can't tell you the crazy stories. Like one Christmas, this couple just shows up at my house. Like somebody had put us in a wish list thing for Christmas and I had no money. I didn't know how I was going to pay rent and they show up with like $2,000 in an envelope for us. Oh. I mean, it's like crazy God miracles that can't be explained any other way other than other people listening to God telling them to do something. And, and so through this process of cancer, my faith has grown to a point that like, I trust God completely. Um, you know, and, and I, so there are times where I don't have faith for things, but I just know that he has purpose for me and he has a sto my story to tell. And, um, and it's supposed to bring hope to other people. And so I'm like, at this point with everything that's going on, I'm not going to lie. Like it's been really scary. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just don't feel like I'm done yet, you know, and I don't feel, I don't hear him saying I'm done yet. So I just have faith that whatever's coming is going to work and we're going to continue to, you know, talk to people about God and, and t tell people how much he loves them and, you know, how he wants to have relationship with them. Cause for me, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. I talk to God all day long. I learned how to hear from God through this process. Um, and, and that was something that I really didn't know how to do before. Um, and so it's been like, I, like I said, I wouldn't trade cancer for the world. It's really like cemented my faith in who God is and how much he loves me, how much he loves my family. 
you know, and, and I look at my kids and I think even if I were to die, you know, they would look at, at that and they would still say God is good. Mm-hmm. And that's really like what I want for them that even, even if like, like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, when they went into the fiery furnace, they said, we will not bow to worship this other God and our God can save us. But even if he doesn't, he's still good. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where, you know, where my faith is at and where I think my family is at too. So. Oh, it's so beautiful. And, and that was actually kind of my next question. Have there been times where you questioned your faith? Cause obviously a stage four diagnosis is, is not easy. Like yeah, 100, I, I, I mean, I'm not in that position. I hope that I'm not, but like, I, I can only imagine that that is a very, very difficult journey. And one that has to be really hard sometimes. Um, so I, I, it's, it's so good to hear that you are in such a solid place to begin with, because that is such a hard position to be in. Yeah, it is. It is really hard. And, and I'll tell you that, um, you know, uh, one of the things that, that stage four patients, you know, we, we live by the, the motto of scan, treat, repeat, um, you know, we live in increments of three months, usually, um, sometimes we get lucky and we'll, we'll get, you know, a little longer than that in between scans, but at any moment, you know, you can get devastating news that something bad is happening. And, and, you know, I think that's, uh, there have been times where I, I, I've been scared. And I think the thing about faith to me, that's the most like beautiful thing about having real relationship with God is that it's okay. Like, it's okay if you're scared. It's okay if you're sad. It's okay if you're mad. It's okay if you're, you know, like God can take all of our emotions and then some, you know, and he's the great comforter. And so when I get in those places, you know, and we get in those places as a family, we talk about it. So like right now, you know, it's been really scary. My husband, he's probably had the hardest time. Um, and we've started doing communion every night as a family and it's just a check-in for us. And we, we just kind of talk about where we're at and what's going on and, you know, how we're feeling, if we're feeling scared, if we're feeling hopeful today, you know, and some days are scary. Some days I feel super scared lately. My vision is getting kind of blurry, which is really worrying me because that's mm-hmm. one of the signs, um, you know, of, of leptomeningeal. I've been having double vision, um, but I also have astigmatism. So I'm like, you know, is it, is it astigmatism? Is it, I don't know. And and even if it is the LMD, I can't do anything about it till obviously my head heals and we get, get chemo going. Um, so I just have to trust God, you know, but it's okay for me to say, I'm scared, you know, I'm scared, God, like I, I you know, and, and he brings comfort and peace. And a lot of that comes, um, you know, for me through worship is a big thing for me and I find peace in worship. And so sometimes I'll just get alone and I'll turn on some worship music and just sing and go for a walk or something like that. Um, but that's the one thing that I've learned through this is that it doesn't have to look a certain, like faith doesn't have, faith, faith can look like literally there have been times where I'm like, I have no faith, you know, like the time, um, when I had my first remission, um, I actually argued with the doctor, you know, when he was like, no, you, your scans are, they call it no evidence of active disease. And so it's called NEAD. And, um, and so that's the best you'll get, you know, with stage four is no evidence of active disease on scans, but it, it has to be so big for scans to pick it up. So they continue to treat you obviously. Um, but 
I, I have, I've argued with him multiple times, actually, even my liver, um, I made him take me down to radiology and show me because <laughs> I didn't believe him. Like I had in my husband, my husband that time he had the faith. He's like, I just, the Lord's talked to me and he told me he, these scans are going to be clean. He's like, do you believe it? And I looked at him square in the face and I said, no, I don't. And I was like super like bitter at that point and God knew it. And I told him, I'm like, I'm sick of this. I don't want to do this anymore. You know? And that's the thing is that like, when you just get real with God, like he meets you where you're at, you know? And like, when you stop putting like, um, ideals or like constraints around what a Christian or what somebody who loves the Lord is supposed to be or supposed to look like, that's when you find true relationship with God. And then he really becomes that Abba father. Um, and you're, you're his child, you know, and, and anybody who's raised children or who has nieces or nephews or anything like that knows that, you know, children have moods and, you know, they get in, they get angry, they get sad, they get mad. And, you know, and it's, it's to, up to the adults in their lives to comfort them and to guide them and to teach them. And that's what God does for me. You know, he meets me wherever I'm at in whatever circumstance I'm at and wherever we are. And that's something that we've really taught our kids is that, you know, God is a father. He'll meet you wherever you're at, whatever your emotions are, you know, he'll, he'll, come to you and he can comfort you in those situations. And so, so yeah, there's been plenty of times where I've absolutely had no faith and where I've just told him, you know, straight up, like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm sick of it. You know, and, and I, he just constant Kiki, sorry, <laughs> she's very, very vocal. I should have put her out. I didn't think about it. Um, she, she's the mama's bird. So she sees me in here and I'm awake. So she's like, um, no, that means that I'm supposed to be on mom's shoulder right now. <laughs> um, but yeah. So anyways, she, uh, God has really helped me learn to trust him in in the most dire of circumstances. And when I'm not in that place to talk to him about it, you know, and he brings that to me. So well, I love that. And just recently, even too, um, at, at church, they were, they were talking about Jesus and kind of actually going through the emotions that Jesus had. And, and one time, like he was very angry and threw tables because yeah. they weren't like, you know, um, doing what he thought was right, like what he knew was right. right, you know? And so it was really going into like, it's okay to have these emotions. Again, right. it's what you do with these emotions, exactly. you know, like, it, he was doing it to get attention and to create change and to, you know, all sorts of things. But it really was kind of as an adult listening to, uh, to a sermon, it was, it was very eye opening too, because you kind of would think like Jesus is never angry. Like he just yeah. took everything that was given to him. And I thought it was a really interesting perspective, the human side of him. And it, and it really did kind of open my eyes a lot too. Yeah. And I actually do like, I, that has actually, it's funny you say that because um, I've been going through a reading plan. Um, honestly, for me, the Bible is the hardest part for me because sometimes I just don't like connect with it. Uh, you know, like, like some people love reading the word and I'm like, sometimes in the past, especially when I was younger, I just felt more like a chore, but, um, I found some versions that really kind of speak to me. And so I've started a reading plan just to kind of get in there every day and get something that's crazy, but, um, that I, every day I get in there, I get something out of it, you know, but it was talking about um, Jesus, you know, in the garden of Gethsemane, 
And when he, um, you know, he was crying tears of blood and he, he actually asked the father to take away this suffering, you know, like he did not want to suffer, right. you know, he did not want to go to the cross, but he knew that that's what the father's will for him was. And I'm not saying that the father's will is for people to have cancer, obviously, but you can take anything um, that you're given, whether it's evil or good and, and, and use that to be, to to make good, you know, like, um, there's a verse, uh, I think it's in the old Testament that talks about how, what, what you meant for evil, the Lord worked for good. And so I, I read that and I thought, man, how many times have I been there? Like, Lord, please just take the suffering away, you know, and it's hard to watch my husband. He hates watching me suffer. I'm pretty tough chick at this point, you know, like, it doesn't, you know, I, I obviously, you know, I have staples in my head right now, so that's pretty painful, but you know, I mean, to me, I'm like, I'll do whatever it takes, obviously to stay with my family as long as I can. Like, it's not even a question to me, poke me, prod me, cut off whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but it's hard. My husband has a hard time watching me suffer. And, and there's just been times, there's times where you get sick of it, especially being a metastatic patient. Cause you're in, you're in treatment your whole life. Like there's no break. There's no, you know, maybe you'll get a break here and there when your numbers are off, but, but it's co consistent treatment for the rest of your life. Like people ask me, when are you going to be done with chemo? And I'm like, never, never. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm like, that's just my lot, you know, but, and, and there have been times where, you know, I, I see Jesus. I'm like, if Jesus has times where he's, he was like, he knew he was saving mankind and he was still like, if there's any way to not have to do this, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it makes me just feel like, oh, I, I'm not, it's not bad for me to feel like that. You know, it's not bad for me to have a bad day where I just don't want to get chemo today. I don't want to have to deal with the side effects of, you know, and I'm just kind of in a, in a crappy mood about it. Like that's okay. You know, and it's okay for me to ask, you know, ask of God, like, and he, it may not be the answer I want to hear, but he always answers. And, and there is just such a human side to God and, and especially in his son, see, you know, righteous anger, like, you know, I think that that's something that is definitely part of the cancer world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it shouldn't be, it's, it's so frustrating watching our friends die every day. And um, it's so frustrating watching new people get diagnosed and younger and younger people get diagnosed and, and, you know, wanting that, um, you know, to go away. And that's why I'm like, so into research and what's going on and what they're, you know, helping fund things and wanting to help, you know, in that way, um, to help progress, you know, a cure someday. I don't, I don't think a cure will come in the same form for all of us. Um, because cancer is such a personalized disease, but I think that eventually they'll be able to cater, um, treatment to each person. Um, you know, for me, I outlived my, uh, my expiration date, what, like five years ago. So, you know, I had a 20% chance of making it five years past my, um, original, um, cancer diagnosis and we're at, you know, almost nine now. So. I mean, I think that there's hope out there still. Yeah, there, there is. I'd love to know, um, is there one particular Bible verse? I'm sure there's many that have spoken to you or continue to speak to you and you find, you know, each and every day, but is there one that kind of, that you identify with or in times of trouble that you kind of turn to this one particular verse? And if you wouldn't mind sharing it with me. 
Yeah, I think that um, there's actually been a few. Um, when I was younger, before cancer, um, one of my favorite verses was Romans 8, 28. Um, and it, it talks about um, how all things work for the good of those who love, um, for the, of those who love Christ Jesus. And, um, and I always, that was just always like on my radar. Like, I just feel like, okay, as well, like I love God everything's going to work out for the good. It may not look good right now, but it's all going to work out for the good. And that's always kind of been um, something that I've stood on. And then when I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, like I said earlier, I, I found a verse that stood against, you know, the uh, prognosis I was given. And, and that was that Psalm 18, uh, or so I think it's 117, 18. It's either 117, 18 or 118, 17. I always get it mixed up. Um, but it is, uh, I will live and not die and I will declare, um, what the Lord has done. But recently, um, I was in Matthew and, um, you know, I have been, um, kind of, you know, doing some studying on healing and really reading about like how Jesus healed people. And he was talking to, um, he was talking to a, uh, a guy that was a, a leper uh, who had leprosy and uh the guy said well, let me see if i can find it i don't have it memorized yet um oh that's somebody else's what am i doing um he was he, he came to jesus and he asked him um he said let me see he said uh he said, I know that you can heal me. Here it is. Um, it's Matthew, uh, eight, three. Um, and it says, or eight, two starts in eight, two. It says suddenly a leper walked up to Jesus and he threw himself down before him in worship and said, Lord, you have the power to heal me if you really want to. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the leper and said, of course, I want to heal you be healed. And instantly all signs of leprosy disappeared. And I just, it really just struck me like, because I think for healing and like, especially miraculous healing, you know, we put a lot of like different, like, uh, you know, it ha you have to be prayed for by some famous person, or you have to be this, or you have to do this, or you have to have enough faith, or you have to do this. And this guy was just like, I know you can heal me if you want to. And, and Jesus was like, duh, like, of course I want to, you know, but I think like, I've been in that position where I had resigned myself to the fact that Jesus couldn't heal me because I don't have enough faith. Um, or Jesus couldn't heal me because, you know, I didn't pray enough or I, or I had sin in my life or I did this, or if I did that, like Jesus didn't know anything about this guy. I mean, obviously, you know, Jesus knew everything, but, but this guy just walked up and he's like, Lord, I know you can heal me if you want to. And so that's kind of where I am right now is like, Lord, I know you can heal me if you want to. And I just keep hearing him say back, of course I want to, you know, and I, and I think that, that he does, he, he heals through many different facets. Science is one of those ways that he's healed me before. And I think he can use it to heal me again. Um, you know, I've also seen miraculous stories where tumors just disappear for no reason. Um, and so we're expectant for a miracle this year. And that's kind of what we're, what we're standing on together. We're about to go into a fast as a family and, um, our church does a corporate fast and, and really like pray into that and see, you know, what God wants from us. And I just, like I said, I just feel like my story's not done and I, I have a story to tell. And I know that involves writing. So part of that is something that's going to be 
my focus this year. And, um, but yeah, that verse has really st stuck out to me lately and what I've been really been just kind of meditating on. I love it. And I love that it's so simple, but yet it's so layered. Like, you know, there's yeah. so many, you know, deeper meanings when you kind of dig into it and, and, and for it to provide you comfort thousands of years later is, is also, you know, right. something very beautiful that, that's what I found actually in this whole COVID time is that the Bible is, is, has so many more lessons than like I ever even thought and can provide you so much more direction in all circumstances and especially in COVID and in cancer and in all of these, you know, very difficult times. Um, it actually has some of the best, you know, words of wisdom the best words of wisdom. So it's just, it's really been eye-opening. Um, and I too have like tried to dig in more, um, have like the version Bible app and trying yeah. to like do, do plans and like, and, and dig, you know, more into my faith as well. But thank you for sharing that. It's such a beautiful, and, and I love like each stage, you know, from when you were young to when you were first, you know, diagnosed with metastatic and, and then for today and what that means to you. So all very beautiful. So thank you for sharing those. Yeah. I would love to know, I ask every guest um, for a Tina tip. So it's any kind of advice. Um, you know, it can be about faith, but it can be just practical things. It can be, you know, how you've dealt with metastatic, um, you know, just anything practical to inspirational that you would like to share with the people listening today. I think that um, something that's really like helped me um, through the hard times um, as I heard this quote by a pastor um, before I had cancer, but um, he said, it's impossible to be grateful and unhappy at the same time. And so, you know, I know we talk about gratitude journals and it's like a big, you know, kind of trendy thing now, but it, when I'm at my lowest and I'm really struggling, um, you know, if I just find one thing to be grateful for, it shifts my attitude. And I'm a very much a person that is, influenced by uh other people's attitudes and atmospheres and so i like to also you know do the same thing um to shift other people's um you know attitudes and atmospheres and and the other thing is just to be really open about your story because you never know um whose life you'll change you know i i used to lock kids in my car when I lived in California and I pick them up from the airport and I, I'm like, sorry, you guys are locked in my car. Cause I take them back to our, our town, which was two and a half, three hours away. And I'm like, I'm gonna tell you my story now. And I would just share my story with them, you know, and, and, and they all walked out like knowing my story and are full of hope. And so you just never know, um, what sharing your story will do for somebody, you know, it can bring hope to the hopeless. It can bring, it can set captives free. It can bring people to the Lord. It can, it can just help even just maybe if you're not somebody of faith, like if you have cancer, it will help them be more aware, you know, to maybe catch something earlier than they would have, you know, I would have never at 28 and I was doing breast exams or anything. It was just by accident that I caught my cancer, but um, just be open to sharing your story with people and, and um, conversating with people because you just never know what, how that can change their lives. Yeah, I love that. And it is, it's like a ripple. You, you just have no idea like what, what effect it can have on others. So I love it. Yeah. Nicole, Nicole, thank you so much for sharing your story, your testimony. It's, it's been really beautiful and inspiring for me. 
Is there any other parting words or anything you'd like to share um, just that I didn't ask? I would, I would love to open it up to you. No, I mean, it, um, I would love prayer right now as we're kind of walking through this. If there's, you know, people are listening who are people of faith, um, you know, we're, we're kind of in need of a miracle right now. And we're, we're walking, you know, in the shadow of the valley of death as, you know, it goes. And so um, we would love for people to join us in prayer and, and um, believe for that miracle for us. And um, whether that miracle looks like whatever it looks like, we'll take it. I just, you know, I want more time with my kids. I want more time with my husband. Um, but if, if God needs me, you know, then, uh, that's fine too. I just, but I just want a peaceful, I just want peace, I guess, whichever way God needs me. I just want it to be peaceful. If we're here, I want there to be peace and, and not a lot of like unknown and not a lot of suffering. If, if I need to go, then I want there to be peace for my family, peace for me, you know, and that, and so, um, you know, cause right now I don't feel, I don't feel led one way or the other. And obviously we never know our timing, but yeah, prayer would be amazing. Um, just for the Jason family right now, as we kind of, you know, step into the unknown, um, with this, this, uh, progression. So, well, I know for sure you will be in my prayer journal and, um, you know, in my thoughts and prayers every day. And I would, I will encourage obviously, you know, the community as well. So Nicole, thank you. It's been such an amazing honor to have yeah, time. To thank speak you for to having you. me. This is so fun. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so all my best to you and your family. I, you will truly be in my thoughts and prayers. So thank you so much. Thank you.